play a game. Right here. Here's Johnny. Welcome to my world, bitch. Hi, I'm Chucky, and I'm your friend to the end. Heidi ho <laughs> When you're down here with me, you float Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? What is up? up, everybody? Welcome to a new edition of Friday the 14th Podcast. I'm one of the fellas, Juan, joined alongside with these two handsome young gentlemen. Ooh. Mr. Fuentes. And on the bottom? On the bottom. I like to be on the bottom when you're on top. The 4K bad guy. How's everybody's, uh, everybody's, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm a little, uh, anti-Christ tongue-tied right now. Um. (laughs) Me too, man. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Chaos is here, guys. Anti-Christ, how's everybody's week gone? Fuentes, you have a good week? Um, I think it's all right. Trying to, like, get, like, get better at scheduling my life, so that's kind of been... It's it's on the it's 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 going. It's just a little yeah stressful. <laughs> hey, roller coasters are fun. What about you, uh, Nick? You have a good good week. A good week. As today will be my end of the weekend for me. Uh, although last last Saturday I did go to a wrestling show. Nice. It's pretty fun. Nice. Didn't get home till like <laughs> five in the morning. Oof. Yeah. As long as you had fun, that's all that counts. Hell yeah. Yeah. But guys, we are here uh, talking about Antichrist today. Um, a movie that was on the schedule that was one of my picks. Um, and I am honestly a little excited just to see you guys' reactions um, to this movie. So if you guys don't have anything else you want to throw in the box i guess we can uh we can get started if you guys want let's do it uh antichrist uh you guys can check it now i believe it's on like wherever you stream movies for like 2.99 3.99 um or you can pick it up at uh on criterion uh october 23rd 2009 with a release date A grieving couple retreat to their cabin in the woods, hoping to repair their broken heart and troubled marriage. But nature takes its course and things go from bad to worse. Uh, Starring Willem Dafoe, Charlotte Gainsbourg, and uh, Storm Shilstrom plays Nick, little boy, directed by Lars Von Trier. Um... Yeah, so we'll get into uh, we'll get into the Antichrist. Mm. So that was your spoiler-free synopsis. Now, this spoiler-free rating one. Free rating. All right, um, your movie, your first. I'm first. You guys are throwing me under the bus. Uh, this is only my second full-time watch, um, and I. It didn't age as well as I thought it was going to for me, but I think I'm still going to give it a three. I'm kind of sitting halfway in the middle right now. 
So I'm going to give it three machetes. I give it three machetes as well. It is a... But it's William Dafoe. <laughs> so that being said, 3.5. Oh. William Dafoe. Uh, there's a lot of like lore behind this movie, but I want to ask you guys like right off the bat, like um, we're going to go ahead and get into spoiler territory right now. So if you guys haven't seen it now, you know, like I said, go check it out on uh, any streaming services that you can rent it from or you can check it out on, on Blu-ray. Um, you guys kind of seem a little off the wall. What do you guys think? Fuentes, we'll start with you. Like, you know, the first 10 minutes, you kind of get like everything like you get a shock, you get a, a what the f moment, and then you just get more Willem Dafoe than you probably had ever imagined. Um, what did yeah. what did you think of that first ten minutes? I was like, "Whoa, this is a masterpiece." <laughs> <laughs> I got to, I got to see Willem Dafoe in all his glory. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, just like the, I, you're just you're just talking about that first initial intro before like the bed happens. Right. Like before the actual talking and everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just just the first like 10 minutes really where, you know, you get that you get that slow Lexi cam shot of <laughs> the shower, the sex and then the kid, you know, waking up, detaching the. The, the kid gate or the baby gate and then he sees the snowflakes coming in and you know very very unsettling scene to watch but like the director does not steer and he shows you literally almost everything probably more I mean, than we yeah i was like whoa we're watching a full-on porn right here hell yeah you just see it go straight into the the thing which, like, which was a prosthetic i think by the way so I was like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" Not uh, not not real Defoe. Wait, the kid that fell out with the prosthetic? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um no, I honestly I thought it was like like just from that scene you could kind of like I don't want to say guess, but you can kind of see like where the rest of the how the movie's going to be just from watching that first part because like it was just so well done and like in such an artsy kind of form. Like in my head, I thought two things. One, this is going to be like a real kind of like artsy cinematic type of movie. Lots of supplemental messaging, uh, lots of uh, like cool camera, subliminal, I want to say camera angles and things like that. Things that uh, kind of get your, your mind stirring a bit. Um, or or and or could turn into one of those really crazy artsy films that's just going batshit off the wall and you're like okay you're like trying to do something but i'm not sure what it is <laughs> um but just from those first 10 minutes it, it was like you could you could tell that he like was really good at his craft like whoever like every scene actually throughout the movie there were certain scenes like I saw, I was just like, man, this guy really had to like visually have seen that in his head 
and then like literally put that like there. Like sometimes I just think the camera rolls, you know, and people are just, you know, oh, dad, that was an awesome scene I just shot. Like it's all some of it I feel like is unintentional. Like you could walk in with an intention and you come out with something that, you know, kind of seemed like it was what you imagined it was going to be. Whereas this seemed like every scene for the most part was very intentional and every single thing was meant to be in the place that it was at. So it was a really, it was really cool actually watching the movie and kind of seeing it from that perspective that this artist had this idea in his head and he put it onto film um, probably a hundred percent how he thought it was supposed to be. Nick, what'd you think, man? The first like few minutes. It was, it was beautiful. It was, uh, it was very art, very arty. Um, for a second, I went, uh, got distracted with uh, Puente's background. He had a uh, Charles Gambino's cap, a vinyl in the background. Mm, I was yeah. like, okay. But uh, besides besides it starting off with a bang, I, I did it. It was, oh. <laughs> but the kid jumping off was, was he switched to because the internet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like a bit, a bit upset because it may be a prosthetic penis now. So <laughs> <laughs> no, but man, pretty much what this kind of said worded or nicely, better than what I could say it. This is also one of those movies that you know has the chapters involved throughout the whole movie. After the death of the child, you get chapter one, which is grief. Um, what do you guys think of the chapters in between scenes? Are you a fan of chapters or are you like, you know, do you feel like you have to go back and rewind if you missed like, oh, it's on chapter three. I missed chapter two. I got to see what chapter two is. Are you guys that <laughs> way or, you know? Um, it kind of like, you know, I didn't really, I, I saw it happening, but now that you're making me think about it, because I wasn't thinking about it while I was watching the movie. Um, it kind of plays on the actual full idea that this isn't just a movie, but it's actually like, um, like a, um, like a, like a play being done right in front of you, but in movie form, you know? Um, so it kind of just adds to the whole artsy idea of the, the movie. Um, as far as like me, like what, there was a chapter two in between this, like I, I would wouldn't matter to me that if I saw it or didn't see it. Like I, I treat it as one big movie. I don't. I guess it's supposed to be treated as like you know, intro, something climax ending. It's kind of how it's supposed to. I think play inside movies. Well, or, it almost kind of like I'm not, I'm not gonna say like it gives anything away, but like when when the baby gets up on the table as he's entering the ledge of the window, you can see the three little statues. Or mm -hmm. three little, you know, grief. Uh, I think one is uh, despair. So, that, like, all three little chapters, I guess, if you can say, are on the table that he's climbing up on. I don't know. I just felt like the little little details of this movie stood out to me other than, like, it's not really horror-esque, maybe, at least for you guys. I don't know. You guys can, you know, throw your two cents in. But it didn't get really horror-esque for me until maybe like 45 minutes in other than the, like the score and the soundtrack, it wasn't very horror like. And then, you know, obviously you get to the end and you're just like, yeah, 
horrific. Well, it was actually like very strange because um, at least the flow of the movie, like it, the movie really keeps you very focused on like the condition of the woman a lot of the time. Um, but then you get these random like obvious breakdowns of Willem Dafoe's character uh, of him like hallucinating things and seeing things in between. And, you know, by the time you get to the end of it, you kind of realize more that it wasn't really being plain, but Willem Dafoe was also having his own journey the entire right. time. And, but the it's like the movie kept you really focused on the woman's journey. Do you, but you, oh, go ahead. Uh, no, no, uh, no. I was going to say maybe you could help me understand, but like I was just... You know, the more I watched it, the more it was just like, um, well, I started kind of trying to like, because I was like, look, this movie is obviously one of those movies you have to watch like four times before you really understand like the meaning of it. So I started like researching, what's your interpretation of this movie? You know, little things I started reading through them. So basically it was, it, it was saying that like, you know, the woman, obviously it was very front forward what her deal was. Uh, well, actually, it's, even that's not really straightforward when you really think about it. But anyway, uh, but Willem Dafoe's character was trying to deal with this grief by being controlling of the woman and right. trying to control her thing, which is something I didn't really see watching it the first time. It kind of just seemed like someone who really cared for his wife and just wanted to take care of her. But there was really a more kind of a sinister side to it where he was actually being manipulative in a sense and using her as a crutch to deal with his own grief and stuff like that. So that stuff I didn't really see until like you, you kind of rethink the things and you're like, Oh, I guess he's just, is kind of using her as a puppet, you know, to try to get himself his own relief or it's his own, uh, it's his own way of dealing with the grief, the despair and everything that you see throughout the thing. Cause I mean, for some reason, the, at least the first time I watched it, the movie made me feel like I should be on Willem Dafoe's side. But then this second time around, you know, watching it, I feel like it was more of a male chauvinist movie, maybe because of how the director is putting her through so much pain and agony and he's making her seem like she's the problem. You know, the director, I don't know, for me at least, and that's that's the thing with this director, he always puts his female cast leads through hell. And this one was like no different. Like she's either always screaming crying whining or having sex she's not doing anything else throughout the whole movie and then at the end she's played as the bad guy and you know you're kind of like you know willem dafoe is should be looked at as well as the bad guy because you know first off if he's a therapist you really shouldn't be you know uh treating an old, your own family member which he is. And then he takes her to Eden, which she's already terrified of the woods. So he kind of like brings more hell upon her by taking her to a place that she really doesn't want to go to. Mm -hmm. But I guess the really big twist of the movie, again, spoiler is that she was actually kind of evil and twisted as well. Cause she was forcing the kids feet to look and be, deformed throughout the whole movie when you find out you know that's one of the twists at the end yeah 
which was kind of like, and again, that's why I say like, you don't really know the, the woman's intentions because you kind of get this idea that she seems to be grieving, but then she even kind of says like a crying woman is a woman who's scheming. Mm-hmm. So it's like, maybe this was the plan the whole time was to go out to Eden and do these horrible things to her husband. You know, maybe she did see some satisfaction in, you know, that it shows, it only shows it for a split second, but you see that she sees her son like on the table, like basically about to fall out the window. And, yeah. and obvious, I mean, I want to say, I don't want to say obviously, but you know, when you replay that scene in your head, you know, she chose the satisfaction of having that orgasm she was about to have yep. over stopping her, you know, stopping them to save her kid. Like, Oh my God, I need to get this kid. He's probably going to fall out the window. Instead. She was like, look, I'm about to reach the most awesome orgasm I've ever had in my life. Like I'm, I, I'm going to stay, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep going. And she obviously was fighting with that. Um, you know, she felt bad about it, but you know, it was kind of really weird, you know, like, because in the beginning movie, in the intro, you see her smiling, you know, after everything's done and over with, right? She has this really big smile on her face. And then you see the scene where she sees her son really close to the window about to basically fall out. And it's just like, why is she smiling so big? You know, when you really think about it, you're like, you know, it, it's almost like, and you know, I don't want to be gross or weird, but you always hear the joke about like when guys finish masturbating, they always are like why am I looking at this shit? <laughs> like, just no, close yeah. all the windows, yeah. you know? But for her, it was like, you know, you you feel like you'd feel that. you like, I wanted the I wanted the climax more than I wanted to save my child. Then the child falls out the window. She gets her climax, but instead of having the sad moment, it's like, it's all euphoria. And, I mean, maybe she's guilty about it. It kind of seems like a lot of it was planned in the beginning. It kind of seemed like she was kind of uh, manipulative from the beginning. It's a very, like I said, you have to, I feel like you have to watch this movie multiple times to now that you know the ending to see all the beginning little things. Like I noticed what you said before, the grief, the despair, the little statues mm-hmm. uh, all in the beginning of the movie. Like I, I, I didn't really know what the movie was about. Um, but I kind of started getting the hint that this kid was going to fall off the window. So I was like, okay, so that's why this grief despair kind of thing is happening. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely, I don't know. It was really, at least we're still talking about the beginning. It was really cool. As far as the whole movie from beginning to end, I, I thought it was artsy. I thought it was cool. I really need to, probably watch it a few more times before I would understand really, you know, even what you said, I watched it a second time and you were more root, not rooting for the woman, but more of like seeing how she was being manipulated by him mm-hmm. when he should have just left her alone, you know, let the doctor do his thing. Instead, he'd rather like, well, I want a project and she's going to be my new project, you know, for my despair. Yes, that's a good way of putting it too. Um, you know, the title Antichrist, when you first think of that, you think of like, there has to be a character in the movie, like, who is the Antichrist? Who's the devil? Did you guys have any like kind of questions? Like, is somebody really the Antichrist in this movie? Is it him? Is it her? Or, you know, what 
what was your thoughts? Like, is it surely it's just not the name of the movie? You know, this time around, I I don't I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, a lot of the, I mean, me personally, I didn't I didn't really know because I thought about the same thing. I was like, Antichrist. I'm not really sure like how to how to view the whole thing. Um, but when I read some of the reviews, it said a lot of people look at it as, you know, um, the devil, Antichrist, Satan. Uh, but Antichrist's real stem comes from opposite of Christ, um, which basically means you're you're not living a biblical good life. And obviously, both of these characters were not living very good lives, the opposite of Christ. Um, you know, the woman who was researching witchcraft and purposely making her son wear opposite shoes for for Munchhauber, Munchhausen syndrome. I don't know what you call it, but whatever, like making him feel like he has a disability that he doesn't really have. And then the guy, you know, basically forcing uh, her, his wife to like suffer in a sense, you know, not being very Christ-like. I, I mean, and that's what the devil does, right? The devil makes you seem like he's trying to help you. He's trying to make you feel better. But in reality, he's making you more miserable. He's making your life a living hell. He just makes you think that, you know, you're choosing these things in your life. Um, so it's, it's really, yeah. I mean, they're both pretty, pretty messed up, twisted people. Um, I I kind of felt like nature was the not antichrist in the movie, but I feel like nature is almost like the bad guy. The bad guy. It was like the happening. Yeah. No. Not 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 like that, where the 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 tree and everything is like possessed. But almost like it felt like an Adam and Eve story, you know. Especially Garden of Eve, yeah. Eden. Especially, especially with their names being him and being her, you know. And then that's that's again that that meaning. Who was the first one to take a bite of the apple? Wasn't it supposed to be Eve, right? Mm -hmm. You know. And that's again the director making the female seem like she's the. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. But I don't know if I'm looking too much into it. But I just felt like with with the three, uh, the three beggars at the end being being you know animals and then the the whole casting and the whole witchery with the tree and the the tree sex or whatever that was and would you know the bodies at the end i don't know i just kind of felt like you know maybe that if there is a hidden message in there maybe it's just like the that, that nature or this world is just like a cruel nasty place and no matter how good you try to be it'll just like chew you up spit you out and two two pure people can perish and can fall because of how cruel this world is. I don't know. Maybe it's called Antichrist because it's like the opposite of that. You know, maybe maybe it's <coughs> instead of the story of Adam and Eve, it's the like Antichrist story of Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden and horrible people doing things to each other and yeah. um, you know, I mean, because it ends in a sense with exactly what you would probably do to get cast out of eden you know like it ends with murder you know and that was kind of the idea you know the three the three i don't know about three beggars i'm not really into the biblical stuff but you know um you know i know when jesus was born there was the three wise men you know so this one had the three beggars and it was just like the birth of something new 
the Antichrist. She was like, we're waiting for the three beggars because they need to sacrifice. It's the only way to make everything, you know, right. Um, It was just, it was really, uh, it kind of seemed like an anti, you know, Adam and Eve story and Antichrist, you know, uh, the opposite of everything. Nick, man, what about you, man? How'd you feel? Mm. About the that's Charles Gambino. <laughs> no, I mean, it's... I I feel like there there was something like this. Mean just the whole woods in general as a I feel like that being a a thing. Um, just the setting of just evil. Like I I don't know when I watched it, I thought. Just being in the area, like, they made people and going totally insane, but just the area just being really evil and stuff. So. But, it, like, to go off the, the, the Antichrist name, yeah, sure, I, I, I doubt by default maybe it could be Will of the Foe because <laughs> he has the futures and like, he could fall off that character in that one, like, doing a little bit of research on the movie. Not re- research, but just quick images. You, they show that shot of Willem Dafoe and the the acorns like slowly falling down. That looks like kind of misleading. What do you guys think of the acorns like that kept falling? Do you think there was some like any kind of meaning or uh, symbolism behind the acorns that kept falling? I haven't thought about it, but let me think. But yeah, um. Well, she does mention that, you know, <clears throat> acorns or acorns, oak trees or whatever kind of trees make acorns live to be a hundred years. So it has a hundred years to reproduce. So every acorn that fell was a chance for it to have an offspring. Um, That's so and how, and how lucky they were, you know, to be able to do that, because I guess. You know, she just lost a child, so obviously she's thinking about procreation and things like that. But um, she did mention, you know, about every acorn being a chance for it to, to spread its offspring. Yeah, I will say, like, after, you know, you get into Chapter 2, which is pain, uh, you get some uh, some creepy scenes of uh, not really just creep. I don't know how you guys felt about, you know, it being a creepy horror, you know, kind of horror-like movie, but... I felt like some scenes like where Willem Dafoe wakes up and he's got the ticks on his arm or um, you hear the baby Nick crying and she gets up and she's looking for him. It seems like after that, like you said, Fuentes, that's when the guilt starts lending in and she starts getting angry and more physical after she wakes up hearing Nick cry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she says, you know, she says to Willem Dafoe, this may not last long. And it's like she already had it in her mind that, you know, she's going to sacrifice him is, you know. That's kind of crazy. You know, now that I'm kind of thinking about the whole it being like an opposite of Adam and Eve story, like Eden was a place that you that was supposed to be paradise, the the perfect place to be, period. But this place was the opposite. This is a place they they did or she didn't want to be, you know, they didn't want to be technically. They wanted to escape from it she wanted to escape from it um it's more of almost like 
you know, if you want to compare them to Adam and Eve, you know, she's Eve, but really it's just the devil and Eve. It's him trying to make her be like the worst of the or possible that she could be. Um, and yeah, she was trying to escape and he just wouldn't let her. He was just like, nope, you're going to come back here. You're going to stay in Eden, which is hell. And I want you to be here and suffer with me. Um, which is kind of crazy to think about, you know. It, it, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and now that you say that, I'm, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, man, you know, she, is she you know, she's trying to get out. Is she the one that, that's just uh, has had enough? And then she... She has that scene. I mean, if you guys want to get into uh, actually after uh, chapter three is despair, so we'll you know, um, you got the tree scene, which is the only thing that really stands out to me in that in that chapter. But chapter four is uh, or no chapter three is uh, where the the like the gruesome stuff starts happening, where she takes the 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 log and she you know hits him in his in his green goblin. God damn. And <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, that's that's where I mean I was really surprised the first time I watched this, but even the second time I'm like, you know, how did they get away with stuff like this? I mean, yeah, it's it's rated in in NC seventeen, I think, but like still like this still made it to public theaters. Like this still grossed seven point four million dollars. So like, you know, this this made money. Um what did you guys I, think of those scenes? I was gonna, I was gonna point out that like, um, it, like you said before in the beginning, it didn't really seem like a horror movie. It seemed more of a drama, even with the aspects around the end of you know what you're trying to explain. You know the things that end up uh, transpiring. It didn't really make it seem like a horror movie. It just kind of made it seem still like a a drama of a girl that's just kind of just had enough. She's lost it. You know, that's done. She's done. Um, but, you know, I think the over like use of like sexuality in this, this movie and even showing of like private parts and certain things like happening throughout the movie, it gave you that cringe factor that like really, really made you uncomfortable which is what horror movies are supposed to do they're supposed to make you feel uncomfortable um you know that's one of the thrills of them at least you know the scare factor and the uncomfortability factor and you know i think it was kind of a ploy you know the overuse of sex in the beginning to kind of get you used to the idea that sex is going to be a, a part of this you know movie and we all love, you know, we all love sex as people, you know, sex, sex, sex. You're like, wow, I'm really interested. And then you start seeing like the mutilation of like sexual organs. And you're like, oh, God, Jesus, right, <laughs> right in his green goblins and his two little pumpkin balls. Mm. Uh, and, you know, and then, oh, man, that one scene. Even, yeah, I, I think that's where you're going. Like, even after that, she she milks the blood out of it. I don't know how to, you know, put it in. <laughs> Milks the blood out of it. But it. Uh, it even shows that and how graphic the blood like got all over her. Yeah, she, it was it was very cringy. I was just like, oh my god, she's not about to do what I think she's about to do. Oh my god, she's not. Oh my god, she freaking did what I thought she was gonna do. It was and like they didn't it, like you said like 
they showed this on freaking like <laughs> on a movie like it, it was insane that you know um it, it's like i don't even want to say it because i want people to listen to this and be like what are they talking about are they talking about what i think they're talking about like yes, yeah we're talking about what you think we're talking about yeah, and uh, that's that. I mean, it's funny that you say that because that's how I got involved into this movie, like way back when, before I even started a podcast. Like I was just randomly listening to different shows, and you know, this one podcast was talking about. It. I'm like, it can't be that bad. And sure enough, they were talking about it in July. So you know, Barnes and Noble had their Criterion sell on, so I went and picked it up, and I was like, you know, I, I did the whole oh, oh no, oh my god, what oh, am I no. watching? <laughs> And then I had to like literally stop and like, are you sure I didn't buy a, you know, what I thought I bought? There's not a play, you know, there's not a Playboy bunny on it. So no, like, but yeah, yeah. I think the cover kind of gives away what the theme is going to be, <laughs> but, uh, legs. but yeah, uh, one podcast brought me onto the movie. I kind of had the same reaction and then, um, I made the mistake by showing everybody the movie first and I wanted to talk about it. And I'm like, Oh, that's, I don't get any like good conversations about this movie. Like people are just going to see it and they're like, no, I don't want to talk about that. So like, I'm not going to say I use you guys as guinea pigs, but like, you know, being on a horror podcast and seeing all kinds of different stuff that's out there, like father's day uh, being brought on to something like that or, Thanks killing maybe, you know. I was like Oh, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> Once a year. <laughs> I, I, I was like, you know, I think this would make for a really good conversation piece with people who constantly watch horror movies, talk about horror movies. And even though, yeah, it's more of a drama than anything, like this subject matter at the end of the movie and even at the beginning in the middle, I want to see where these guys go with, you know, this this first time watch. And honestly, I was really surprised that you know, you guys gave it a three, three and a half. Yeah. For, for the ass shot. Stop it. <laughs> I, I knew, I knew this was going to like in that beginning scene, I knew it was going to try to push boundaries. Well, one, it showed like this guy's going right into, you know, but two, whenever the, the kid was falling out the window, I'm like, all right, this is going to tell me whether they're going to be, you know, really, going into it or they're not if they swat if you see the kid hit the ground you're gonna know that this is gonna be something that they're gonna push the boundaries if you if it just stops and you yep. don't see the kid hit the ground then you know it's gonna be another movie where they're, they're just gonna push away from certain scenes and things like that and they didn't you know they you see the kid you know hit the snow um i did imagine that there's gonna be like blood start trickling out somewhere but i don't think it did um but you do see the kid hit the ground. So it's just like, oh. So let me let me ask you guys this. You know, two weeks ago we talked about Insidious Chapter 2 to where, yeah, it was, I think it was, I think it's rated R, I think. I'm not sure. I can't remember. I know we talked about it. Well, Insidious is yeah. all the PG-13. So, so it was PG-13. Do you guys like that kind of horror more to where it'll start showing you something and then it goes away and lets your mind play with you? Or like, you know, with this subject matter, it just showed you everything and you didn't have to play imagination and, and i think it just may and my answer would be it depends on the subject matter like something like yeah. jaws you know i mean yes i see how you could save money by not showing things yeah <laughs> you know as a, as a film 
producer maker like okay we just don't show this guy's head getting cut off and just put a little splatter across the wall i'm about to save like at least a grand and a fake head getting chopped in half you know um or a fake realistic head getting chopped in half um but you know as far as like the way this movie was done it had it had to be as raw as possible i mean that was the only way to really convey you of the or convince you of the the, the subject matter and everything like it was a very very raw movie the only the only scene that really kind of threw me off um was the uh whenever she was drilling like the hole into his leg oh yeah and and the in the blood looked very bright orange compared yeah. to like like any kind of like what we normally see in horror movies which is more of a darker kind of red this is pumpkins um, and i was just like Wow, that looks way faker than normal stuff I see in horror movies. Um, but it was, that was the only part that was just like, huh, all this realism, and you're going to throw like orangish, lightish blood at me. Okay, sure. All right. Yeah, that, that jumped out at me too was the, the really, really light blood. But I mean, yeah, dude, she anchored him down with that, with that clamp looking thing, and he was the managed weight? to, yeah, yeah, he was managed to crawl underneath that hole where the tree was. Um, the, uh, going back to like detailism is something that I wanted to point out that was another positive was like him killing the crow because the crow was like giving his almost his location away. Location away. I thought that was pretty cool. I don't know. That crow wouldn't die. Wouldn't die. <laughs> I thought uh, that was probably one of my favorite uh, scenes. Um, just that that was pretty cool. I mean, the the crow is kind of buried in there. You, you, you believed it was dead, and it, it just kind of slowly starts chirping away. <laughs> just him just trying to fight with the damn crow. Just wouldn't stay down. Yeah, I guess, you know, the more... Like, I don't really... I don't really understand, like, that this is supposed to be just two people kind of losing it a bit because they're going through grief. Or if the actual forest itself was evil, because like, or Eden was actually the opposite of paradise. Because um, it's almost like she knew, maybe that's why she was afraid of it. Like she knew something bad was there anyway, and that's why she never wanted to go back there. Like you're not gonna see a deer, a fox, and a crow just kind of chill in your house. Like they're very, they're very, you know, it it was all just strange to me, like that. Too, that you know Willem Dafoe's character was seeing a lot of like crazy shit happening like the deer with the like it, it either looked like it was a miscarriage of a deer coming out the back of the other deer oh, or yeah. it was or is having birth at the I don't know I mean it could have been having birth but it looked like more like it was more of a miscarriage or like it died um and then the fox like chewing on itself and then talking <laughs> you know, uh, what did he say? Chaos something? Chaos reigns. Chaos reigns. Chaos, chaos reigns. And then, you know, and then that bird, you know, just kind of like giving away the location, kind of being a deal hole. Um, it was just so, so weird. I, oh, yeah, there's something I did want to point out that, like, you know, that area having, like, kind of a, its own life force in a sense. 
Um, but opposite of that, it sucks Life Force because uh, I was waiting for it to show up later in the movie, but it never did. But there's that random scene where like the tree just falls and then another tree just kind of splits. You know, so in my brain, I'm like, oh man, like this area, Eden, is decaying the life around it. You know, that's why things are just like falling around it. It's decaying everything in its path, you know, basically. And, you know, I was expecting to see that more throughout the movie, like more things starting to decay. But you didn't really, you didn't really see that uh, transpire the way I thought it was going to. But, um, which makes me kind of question the whole scene in general. Like, why was it? Why was it really there? <laughs> why was the tree falling and the other tree splitting have anything to do with anything? But um, again, you might have to watch this movie several times before you're like, "Oh, that's what that was trying to say." Did you guys feel that the symbolism of the snip at the end was needed, or did you think that was like, "We've already seen all this. You might as well just show us the snip." Like, I get why the scene was put in there and, you know, the the expectation of that she'll never be able to, you know... Be pleasured again because... Right. Yeah. No, I... I, uh, I mean, I think it was necessary. You know, she obviously... You know, I was trying to figure out her plan. I felt like the end game was like, you know, now that our, now that our kid's dead, it's like our love's dead, so we need to both die. It's kind of like where I was going with it. Like, I think that was the idea is that um, we both need to die because the thing we created died in a sense. And, um, but obviously she, she did feel guilt, you know, for what happened. Well, I don't want to say obviously, but I, I kind of do want to say obviously, because part of, part of me feels like she might've been like an evilish kind of person, you know, really got into her research, really, um, believed that she was like it said you know that uh, women are by nature evil i think is what she was saying before so she believed she was evil um i don't know if she just wanted to play that role or if she was guilty or if she was like well i already had sex and had the best orgasm and watched my kid die so now i told downhill know, from here yeah, like now I am evil and I need to prove that I'm evil. So now I need to do something horrible like kill my husband and cut off my pleasure area and make me feel, you know, like the suffering I deserve for what happened. You know, for all the pleasure I got, I need to feel the opposite of that. You know, that's kind of a saying too, like you'll never know true happiness until you know true despair. Like the the more lower you go, and this is supposed to be like a philosophy thing, like in real life, like the more lower you go in your real life, it makes everything up here better when you finally get out of that hole because you know what true sadness is like. So now, you know, now that you have happiness, you're like, okay, well, I know what it's like to be on the opposite side. Whereas people who never experience life, you know, live in this kind of like, I don't really know what real sadness is like, but I really, so it really means you don't know what real happiness is like because you can't appreciate this because mm -hmm. you don't have this well because she knows what real <laughs> satisfaction is like she need, now needs to give what real pain is like i mean what's more painful than what she did <laughs> almost almost kind of like it's better to have loved than lost than never to have loved at all kind of maybe know. i was like at this point i, I guess you should have never loved jesus christ from love yeah. to lust yeah and uh 
she did that to her, I mean, she cut off her. <laughs> but um, when I seen when she clamped uh, that way to Willem Dafoe's uh, leg, I was thinking, is she going to cut his dick off or what? <laughs> she left it up in the open. And you've seen that uh, his pubic hair. And it's like, yeah. I might need that later. I'll see. I'll just drill through his leg. The carpet match drapes. And man, I got I got applause. Went as like, yeah, you you nailed it. Like that's exactly like somebody who hasn't seen this movie. The, the exact way that you put that is is how you would, in a nutshell, like that's what she went through. Like, that's perfect. Yeah. I just made that up. So. Get out of here. Uh, The epilogue at the end. I mean, you get the the creepy soundtrack at the very, very end. What do you guys think of all the people at the end? Like, you know, the the camera kind of took a wide shot and it kind of looked like a little hazy film looking. I'm not going to say heaven, but uh, a Western haze kind of feel to it. And you see Willem Dafoe almost kind of look back and like nod his head almost. And then you just saw the people. Like, are they ghosts? Are they souls the that were lost? Yeah. Are they lost souls? Or I kind of, even now, the second time around, I'm still kind of a little, you know, a little confused by it. What do you guys think? I'm 100% confused. I have no idea what that is. I means. don't know how they got set free. I don't know if the sacrifice was a, made them free. I don't know. Because, I mean, they, they did show the bodies around the, the, the woods. You saw the bodies. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of, I don't know, it was like a, because uh, the wife died or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> the souls are free. Well, like she, she was, she was the a sacrifice. A sacrifice. Yeah, she said there needs to be a sacrifice when the three beggars come. The three beggars were there. Yeah. The sacrifice happened, you know, so something happened. But I didn't really under, I didn't really understand it uh, too much. Um, I feel like it had something to do with her her research she was doing because it was a bunch of different like tortured things for women and it mostly from what i can tell was all i not mostly it was every single picture was some different way a woman was being tortured um but it was just so it was just so weird like you know almost even like you know what she was writing was it loosely based off true stories of women going out to that those woods and never coming back again? You could almost even look at it as like a crime drama. All these women maybe go go missing, and that's another reason why she don't want to go out to Eden. Is he the one who takes them out there? I don't know. Maybe I'm looking too deep into it. <laughs> Somebody will be for him to take out there. Yeah. Maybe but, he's an ancient demon who just takes women oh, out there to kill them. There he's. Yeah, just I mean, but yeah, I mean, I'm still kind of a little confused, but I, I I agree with with you guys that you know maybe they uh she was just a sacrifice and the other souls were set free. I mean that's that's the only thing that made sense, but even then it just it just didn't make sense to me. I just didn't understand it. Like, um, I tried this, really hard to understand it. I just couldn't. Does this movie make you guys want to watch other work from the director? Or are you guys like ah, hard pass? I'm good. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I'll watch. I'll watch anything. But I mean, it's definitely an artsy feel. I would like to watch another movie just to compare it to this movie to see like if it's similar or if it's just like it was just one of his one hit wonders. Now, I wouldn't even call this a hit, but one of his um, one 
Some of, I'll, I'll name off some of the other movies he's done. He's done the Mancala with Kristen Dunst, the house that Jack built with Matt Dillon, Dogville with uh, Nicole Kidman. Uh, and then there's a movie called Nymphomaniac. One and two. One and two, yeah. Charlebouf. Yeah, Willem Dafoe's in that one as well. He's playing the but, same yeah. character in this movie, Patrick. <laughs> the person. It's like I had all this sex when my my wife was depressed, and now <laughs> now <laughs> I need it all the time. Nymphomaniac. It's... The latest the latest movie I've seen from him is The House That Jack Built, and it follows like a intelligent serial killer. So I don't know. You guys uh, keep the star ratings? Would you change it? Uh, I think I keep mine at three for now. Um, I mean, I I feel like if I watched it another time, I'd see like the the more like subtle details of certain things. Um, you know, the more I think about this movie, and you know, honestly, I I came on here thinking like I don't know what the fuck I'm going to talk to these guys about, like you know, like. But the more we talked, the more my brain started making connections, you know, about the movie. Like, oh, okay, well, I didn't really think about it like this. Like, you know, just now thinking about the whole movie as anti-everything that it's said. So, like, Eden is the opposite of Eden. So, instead of being paradise, it's somewhere you want to escape. You know, that's a whole, like, brain twit, you know, changes the way my brain thinks about the movie now. because, um, Because of that, you know, the the kind of noticing that he was, you know, a little more manipulative than he should have been, you know, changes my, you know, view of things. Um, Just some of the things that I didn't understand, you know, I felt like there was a lot of, uh, this movie was definitely not meant to like digest in one viewing. It's obviously meant to digest in multiple viewings. And I don't know. I feel like there's a coolness to it, and I talked about a lot of cool things. I could give it a 3.5, but I can't until I watch it a few more times. If I ever will. I probably never will. Just, yeah. just saying. <laughs> no, I agree. Uh, what do you guys want to jump into next? What we'll go, uh, Nick, what I about want, you? I want to jump into you. you want... oh, no, uh, my, my rating stays the uh, same. Uh, I think it was pretty good, uh, especially with the uh the stuff in it um no but uh i did watch the uh one of the bonus features on the the blu-ray uh with the willem dafoe talking about it and how he said that uh the director the writer that he had this song like on a set on the side like he probably was never gonna make it but willem dafoe kind of gave him that push needed to make it i thought that was pretty cool I heard one of the sound guys to get some of the certain sounds swallowed a microphone. I guess it's a smaller microphone and recorded his innards to use it as part of the film for certain scenes. Hmm. I thought that was pretty interesting. I was like, huh, he swallowed a microphone. Interesting. <laughs> um, this might, I don't know if you guys can, but this might be some sad news. I can't find. Um, a tagline, if you guys want to get into that already, I don't know, other than uh, Chaos Reigns. 
chaos friends. I, I did find a tagline earlier um, for this movie when I was doing my research for random crap. Or when uh, when nature turns evil, true terror awaits. I think that's, a, that's what it, I think that's what the tagline, at least the one I found, was. That's a pretty long tagline. Oh. When evil dies tonight. You know, uh, whenever it, um, because they don't really have actual names. They're to go. What is it? Her or she? It was just her and him. Her, her and him. Yeah. Her. She kept saying, "You, uh, where are you? Uh, you bastard! Where are he, you?" <laughs> he and she. I'm sorry. Right. She kept saying, "Where are you? You bastard!" Yeah. You bastard. <laughs> so we're over again. It's like, all right. Yeah, I feel like everything's for a reason. I I just can't. I'm trying to pinpoint the reason why that what got stuck to him. Like, did that have symbolism? Like the little wheel, like rod thing that was stuck in his leg. Like somehow, did that have some kind of symbolism? Like why that specific type of thing, or it was just happenstance? Like, well, I mean, I can easily stick this bolt to this thing that I just took off, but I just. I feel like they're like these things don't just happen for no reason, you know, in these types of movies. And then the the, the wrench being hidden underneath the floor. Oh yeah. All the three. When he had sees at the, uh, was it the crow free? Yeah. Underneath there, and then the wrench was in there. Well, that was that? That's pretty interesting. <laughs> so so far, the yeah, the, the tagline I find is when nature turns evil, true terror awaits. Who wants to go first? Antichrist. When uh, when nature turns evil, uh, she awaits. She. I have <laughs> Antichrist. All women are evil by nature. Antichrist when nature calls. Antichrist. Orgasm. <laughs> Antichrist. Orgasm. Antichrist. I believe I can fly. <laughs> he thought he was a uh, one of the kids from Once Neverland in uh, Peter Pan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's 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 a pretty long tagline, but it's it's from the uh, the good old fellows at the UK. So that's the only Antichrist. tagline I saw too. They just had one of the singers from Panic of the Disco name it. Oh, there's also uh, "Nature is Satan's Church." Nature is Satan's Church. Antichrist, depressed, have sex. Antichrist, you're gonna save that baby, and then you see the SpongeBob. Um, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna sit back down for a little bit, or is it, no, he's gonna get up and go. Never mind, I'm gonna, I'm gonna head out. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> I, I'm gonna sit down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, those are the only ones I can really think of. Hmm. How it would have ended, I think, alternating. They both should have been sacrificed. <laughs> I thought about that mm. actually, as a 
I couldn't find a reason, but I thought about the same thing. Um, mine would have just been like, that's it. when he walked away from the fire, that was it. Because that ending still confuses the shit out of me. Because <laughs> it, it kind of just... Okay, I think it bothers me because the whole movie, you can pretty much chalk it up to the 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 fox talking and things like that happening things that are happening around the willem defoe scene was like him dealing with his grief you know uh hallucinating every once in a while um but that ending kind of gave it a more spooky factor which didn't really like wasn't really there most of the movie yeah there was hallucination hallucinate hallucinating happening but like that to me kind of made it more like okay, this is now ghosts and things are coming out and stuff. And it just kind of made me feel weird. Like they were trying to change the vibe of the movie at the very, very end. And there was no context, no nothing. It's just, I'm going to just have all these faceless women start walking toward Willem Dafoe. Like, you know, like it's one of his birthday parties or something. Mm, they weren't, thought they were going like the opposite way. Like, I don't know. Like as he was leaving Eden, they were going back to Eden. Well, it looked like there was like some, a mountain. I don't know. It looked it like there were some that were coming down and some that were coming up, and I assumed Willem Dafoe was in the middle, but I, I don't know for a fact. Um, I mean, at least that's what it seemed like. I almost felt like whoever whoever got killed, that person had already been through so much torment, so much, you know just hell on earth that they would have probably just taken their own lives. So that's originally what I thought was going to happen. Um, but if I had to end it, I'm that's what I thought would have, I probably would have ended it that way just because they were already so dirty and so evil towards each other that at the end of the day, you know, just as characters, I'm not saying this as a real person, but I feel like they probably should not have continued on with life. Mm. Yeah. I mean, how do you, I mean, just the more I think about it, too, because I, you know, I, I think about the next phase, you know, people, things happen in movies, and then you don't see what ha the consequences of it happening, you know, like, uh, is he just going to return home? Like, yeah, I went to the woods with my wife, and she ended up going <laughs> crazy, so I killed her and burned her in a pile of wood, like. That's nice know. enough. Or does he just act like <laughs> she disappeared, and he doesn't know anything about her, but. You know, he has to go to the hospital to treat that leg wound. Like, there's no way this he was can the... just go, go home and just, like, let it heal and act like his wife went missing. Like, this was the prequel to The Evil Dead. Right? <laughs> Kevin in the Woods. Kevin in the Woods. <laughs> uh... Yeah. But yeah. I, I don't know. It was a. Uh... Also, I, I'm, I'm noticing right now, I didn't notice it whenever I was watching it, but the prologue, well, the prologue I obviously noticed, it was all in black and white. So was the epilogue. Yeah. Which to me, the black and white beginning in the cinematic way it was put together was very artsy and, and nice, where at the ending, other part just confused me and didn't seem as cool as the beginning one. But they obviously wanted to make them seem both um, significant in their own ways. I think the perfect way to end it is exactly how it started. 
jumping out the window. Oh yeah. All dark. <laughs> See what the Yeah, no, you could have done that too. Like, yeah, he could have could have offed himself or something, but but that's that's an antichrist conversation, guys. I don't know where mm -hmm. else we go from here. Um unless Nick, you wanna tell everybody where we go from here next Wednesday. Uh next August, Wednesday. August the third. August the third. Uh, I thought it'd be nice oh. to treat ourselves to some eye candy, I guess. If you know. <laughs> eye candy, I mean, we we had some Willem Dafoe eye candy, but I feel like they go another direction here. Ooh. Um, so we're going to go like, go with the Megan Fox and Jennifer's Body. Jennifer's Body. This is the unrated Jennifer, version of Jennifer it. Jennifer Hottie. And that's uh that's Wednesday, August tenth, Jennifer's body. Yeah. I'm gonna go there. August tenth. Marking that down. Marking it down. Put put it in the old schedule. <laughs> Hell yeah. The I haven't next seen movie in a long time so i'm kind of excited to see it yeah dude i remember the last time i saw that movie no lie was uh at the dollar movies like four weeks after it already came out it came out i think it was like a big hit for like two weeks and then it went to the dollar movies and that's when i i went and saw it dollar movies i don't know we used to have a dollar movie theater around here in corpus as well and they shut down i believe after the pandemic or during the pandemic, I think. Terrible. Maybe before the pandemic? I don't know. I miss those because it's like, oh, I didn't get to see it in its initial run, like when it first came out. Let me go check it out for just a dollar or dollar fifty. Like that that just it bums me that some of those places are just dying out. Well it, yeah, but there's a there's some places like the, the Alamo Draft House around here, they'll play old movies on the big screen, you know, um just randomly. Nice. But you know, older not even older, just you know, things that just bring it back for a weekend or, you know, a couple of weekend runs, which I think is pretty cool. You know, um, Alamo Draft House is pretty expensive, but I mean, I would say, I would say it's pricier than the other theaters. It's not super expensive, we but have, I mean, it's it's cool, like what you said, to go experience the, the theater version of what that's supposed to be like instead of in your house. You know, it's not yeah. the same. We have a theater like that here. I'll be there Sunday now. Hell yeah. Little cheap plug. Mm. Nice, nice. Throw another cheap plug. <laughs> but next week, yeah, next week, Nick, UHD, uh, August the 3rd, we're talking about May. May. That's literally the name of the movie. Yeah. It's May. It's a uh, 2002, yeah, one, one, two, yeah. It's another thousand. One? 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 It might be two. <laughs> one? One. It's on Tubi, I know that. Yeah. May. May. It has uh, Anna Ferris from the uh, scary movie. It's not the main character, but she she's in that movie. Just, that's all you need to know. That's all I need to know. Yeah. Hell yeah. 
Well, I think that's, I guess that's the episode, huh, guys? That'll do it. Um, definitely, if anyone's thinking about watching this movie, it's definitely a, a it, I think it's a good for a one-time watch for anyone that really uh, wants to get shocked in something that they haven't seen in a, it's honestly, I've never seen a movie like it. I can't, I can honestly <laughs> say that I've never seen a movie like this movie. Um you know, it's definitely an experience to watch this movie one time through. Uh, I watched it on YouTube, $3.99. You could get it for $2.99 if you're going to get the standard. But I was like, I'm throwing in that extra dollar because, mm. you know, it's going pretty well right now. I can I can spare that extra dollar. You see that, that definition of the ass. Yeah, you, you really want <laughs> it with that extra dollar. Uh, uh, pose ass, you know. Wait for that 4K. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would definitely let you know right now. It's a pretty explicit movie. If you have any kids, you probably don't even want them around one bit for this movie. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, it's some crazy stuff happens. You know, what we said earlier about the woman and her taking, yeah, just just you know, just need to watch it. Mm. Willem uh, Willem Dafoe said that the director. I mean, he had more crazy stuff planned out, but. They did kind of they they held back on it. <laughs> yeah. So I can only imagine. Like I was gonna get a cactus and just start going to town. It's... Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I'm Mr. Fuentes. you can uh, check me out. Uh, I do music and things. Um, I'm actually going to the alias of uh, Childish Gambino. Um, I, I do raps as child, just Gambino. So, uh, Danny, Danny, Danny Glover just, or Donald, Donald, Glover. Donald Glover just, you know, stands in for me. Um, but I'm really childish Gambino guys, you know, <laughs> homeboys drop it like the NASDAQ. I like to show it, Anna. <laughs> um, uh, you know, you know, you know. Um, but anyway, no, for real though, uh, I do do music. My name is Mr. Fuentes. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere you uh, stream music. Um, I do have a concert coming up next month, uh, August 19th at Rich's Billiard in Corpus Christi. Uh, I've been plugging it. I've been hyping it because I truly believe I am going to be doing the best concert I've ever done, ever. Um and it's going to be awesome if you are in the area or want to make the trip out to Corpus Christi, you know, come out and have fun and, you know, maybe hit me up on the next day and we can go to the beach or something. But, uh, yeah, check it out. And thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate it. Um, you know, up my plays on uh, Bonfire for uh, Childish Gambino. <laughs> uh, anyway, peace. Uh, that's it for me. <laughs> As far as my end, you can follow me at the 4K Bag on Instagram. Um, you can catch me on uh, all next week, and uh, you can catch me on uh, the recent episode of uh, the Cement Movie Podcast. That you can. Uh, this past Monday, yeah, we just got done talking about Nope, the uh, latest movie from Jordan Peele. Um, you guys can catch me on the Cinnamon Movie Podcast. Uh, Instagram, one word, Cinnamon Movie Podcast. Uh, we have a live event as well going on this Sunday, uh, July 31st, 1 p.m. 
at Rodeo Cinema here in Oklahoma City at 2221 Exchange Avenue right here locally. Uh, we're going to be doing a school supply fun, uh, fun drive. You guys can come watch an A24 movie with us, pick up some school supplies while they last, um, try some OKC soda, and then hang out for the podcast. Um, it kicks off our girthy month of A24 movies. We're going to be talking about A24 movies on Monday and Thursday. So, um, yeah, hopefully uh, you can come hang out and see us on uh, Sunday. Girthy. Nick, you're going to be doing an A24 movie on Thursday. So, uh, not this Thursday, but in two weeks. So that, that should be a pretty fun conversation, hopefully. I'm going to have one, one guys in the episode. Ho! Oh. I don't know about that. <laughs> Spoiler. It's going to happen. And I want to say thank you guys for, for this great conversation today and all month long, really. I'm excited to see where where August takes Friday the 14th. And, uh, you know, again, a big thank you to everybody, both you guys. Great conversation. Thank you. All right. Thank you for exciting them inside me, making our conversations <laughs> very girthy. Girthy. Hell, yeah. All, all right, guys. Game over. Being dead wasn't a problem, but being forgotten, now that's a bitch. Surprise, Sydney. I can't come back if nobody remembers me. <laughs> <laughs>